0: Hey, everyone. It's uh, great to be with you. And look, I'm just so excited about what God's been doing uh, in and around our church lately, even in the midst of this 2020 and really stoked today to be able to continue our uh, Audacious Power series. And I think the fact that God is audacious is just pretty self-evident. Audacious is to be risky, is to be bold, is to step out. And uh, well, if you need any evidence of that, just look at us. Like, just look at you and me. It doesn't take a genius to realise that I'm a risk. In fact, even our senior pastor says he was a 16-year-old risk when Jesus came and found us, him. I'd suggest that there's not one of us that couldn't recognise that seeking us out was both bold and risky. It was audacious. It's in God's nature to be audacious. It's in His nature to be bold. It's in His nature to write risks. And it's in His nature to come after people like us. You know, in Philippians 3, Paul uh, really writes out his life resume and it's a pretty impressive one. He talks about how he's from the tribe of Benjamin, about how he's educated, about how he's circumcised and followed the law to the T. But then he says, well, I count all of that as rubbish against the knowledge of Christ. You know, my life testimony isn't that bad either. You know, I'm a church kid. I've never known a day where I didn't have a relationship with God. I followed Him by my choosing for the last 20 years now. But I'm still baffled, like still absolutely ruined by the idea that Jesus would take a risk on me, that God would come after me. And I think every single one of us would say the same thing. I think we're all in the same boat, that we're just astounded by the fact that God's love would reach out to us, that His audacious power came and met us, that He took a risk, that He was bold enough to seek us out, and not only just to seek us out, but to actually partner together with us, to actually have a place for us in His plan. And so whether your testimony is like mine and one of God's sustaining power and ability to lead us into a healthy and fruitful life, or whether it's one of phenomenal transformation, where God rescued you out of a destructive life, uh, of a pathway that was just leading straight to nowhere, then I think we can see this that none of us are deserving, but God is an incredibly good God. You know, He left heaven to come to earth, did our Saviour. He overcame death. He covered every mountain. He walked through every valley and crossed every divide to stand at the front door of your life and to knock. That is bold. That's risky. And that's audacious. And not only did He do that, then He includes us in His plan. Includes us in what he has for us in life, and I think that's just so exciting. And so, let's look at that together in the Bible. I would love for us to go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Now, if you know Hebrews, chapter 11, most of our Bibles are going to have a subtitle to this chapter, something along the lines of heroes of faith or examples of great faith. And I'm we're not going to go through the whole thing because it's quite uh, lengthy, but I'd encourage you to do that when we get home or, or as you continue at home, right? <laughs> but um, it talks of, of Abraham and Isaac, it talks about fathers of the faith, it talks about King David, it talks about uh, Samson, it talks about so many heroes, it talks about so many people that took great steps for God. We're going to pick it up at verse 32 and it says this towards the end of the chapter It says, How much more do I need to say? It would, be, it would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, of Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms. They ruled with justice and received what God had promised them. They shut their mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned into strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again, from death. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at and had their backs cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half and others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world. They were wandering all over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All of these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. You know, today God has written you, He's written me, He's written us, He's written good life into the same history He was writing when He was writing in the Bible. We're part of the same plan for God's rescue of humanity as David, as Gideon, as Samson, as Barak, as all of these heroes that we read about in the Old Testament. You're part of that and so am I. There's so much sober hope in this verse. And I say sober for a reason, because it's true. Some days we conquer, some days we overcome, some days we win. But we all know that the truth is also that some days we suffer. Some days we go through hardship. Some days life is difficult. But take hope in that every day that we follow God and walk in step with Him, we're building a great reputation through faith. You know, the story of God's love towards mankind is not finished, but you have a part to play. We as a church have a part to play, just as our Bible heroes did. And there's an opportunity to be a part, to take your place in God's history and in His plan and purpose for making a difference in our world. You know, I think about it like this. Imagine sitting on the bench of a football pitch. And I say football because my dad's English, and so that means soccer. So if you can't, gel with that, then I don't understand what to do with you. Like it's a game where you use your feet and a ball. So it's football. It makes sense, right? But anyway, so imagine you're on the bench of a football pitch and Messi, Lionel Messi is on field and he waves you on. Like Messi is waving you onto the field to come and play. Or maybe you're not a sports fan. Think about you're in the kitchen and all of a sudden Jamie Oliver welcomes you and invites you to come cook with him. You're like, whoa, you're overawed. You're like, wow, it's me cook with you? Seriously? Or that you stand inside of stage and Adele's out there just crushing it. And she waves you on. She says, come on. And she calls you onto stage. And yet you refuse. I know I'd probably refuse that because I'm not a good singer, but Imagine that. Imagine one of these inviting you to be a part of something great, of something incredible, but yet we refuse. And now even though some may claim, Messi is not God, I'm sorry, but He's not. But God's signaling to you today to join Him on the pitch, to join Him in His plan for us, for our city, and for the rescue and for the redemption of our world. He's waving us onto the field. He's signaling us to come and take our place, to come and take our place, to to lift up our responsibility, to step into His plan and His purpose for our life. And we're refusing. Some days we sit on the bench. Some people have never stepped onto the field. Some of us have played consistently for a lot of years now. But the truth is, is that often we bounce in this scenario of in and out some days we're active and we're on the field and other days we take a place on the bench and there's many reasons why we do this there's many things that come into play but I'd just love to touch on two uh, today as to why we refuse and why we sit on the bench some days and the first one is this the first one is that we if we step onto the field we don't know what's going to happen if we truly engage in all that God has for us and we start living the life that He would lead us into, well, we don't, we don't always know how that's going to look and what's going to happen. And the second is that we are very aware. I am very aware of the fact that I don't have the ability, I don't have the strength and I don't have the power to be who I believe God's called me to be on my own. Now, just as I could not hold a candle to the ability of Lionel Messi or Jamie Oliver or Adele in any of their fields of expertise. When God waves us onto the field, it can be very overwhelming because, well, who am I? Who are we? But wonderfully, God's aware of both of these things and He addresses them. He gives us surety and He gives us promises that these aren't things that are actually stopping us. So check with me in your Bible. In Acts chapter one, we're going to read from verse seven, seven and eight. Now, anybody who's hung around me for a while, or if back in the day you were part of the youth ministry that my wife and I led uh, out at Maitland, then you'll understand that I love like the verse right before a really prominent verse, because I think that there's so much in that. So if we read together in Acts chapter one and verse seven and eight, it says this. It says, and to them, he said, so Jesus has been questioned, He's been questioned, what comes next, Jesus? What happens from here? When is X, Y, Z going to happen? And he responds like this He says, And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Many of us know the second half of that, but we forget the first. So let me give you the dot points. If you really missed that, let me give you the dot points. Firstly, we don't know the end from the beginning. Welcome to 2020. It hasn't exactly worked out how any of us thought, right? We don't know the end from the beginning. It's not for us to know the times and seasons that the Father's placed in His own authority. We don't know the start from the end. Secondly, we will receive power though. Audacious power, bold power, Power to overcome, power to be who God's called us to be, power to live out a life bigger, more incredible, more fulfilling, more fruitful than we could have ever imagined. How do we get that? When the Holy Spirit comes upon us. So we will receive power through the Holy Spirit. And the result of that is that we become witnesses. We become mouthpieces, living, breathing, walking examples of what God can do with a person like me. So what do we do with that? What do we do when we read and when we understand? We know that I'm not sure what's going to happen if I put my whole life into God's hand. If I step onto the field and start to play my role, I don't know where that's going to end up. And I really am aware. I really am aware that I'm insufficient. But then we read this verse. We read these verses. We look in our Bible and we see this promise. Well, what do we do? Well, firstly, we grab that promise. We pull it into reality And we live it out daily. We say things like, okay, Jesus, I don't know where this is going, but I trust you. Okay, God, I can't do this myself, but I'm gonna believe that you can empower me. And we start to live it out. So we learn to trust God. And this helps us with the first, that we don't know the end from the beginning. And when we learn to trust God, we do this not because it makes sense, but because we know God more, and we know Him better, and we know Him deeper. And as we do, He doesn't always tell us exactly what's going to happen. Sometimes we get little glimmers. What happens though, is that we learn to trust His character and His nature. We trust Him, not just that He tells us what to do. We trust Him. And in that we find peace and we find confidence that though we don't always know the times and seasons, we can always trust our God. Now this only happens as we get to know Him more. we get to know Him better, as we get to know Him deeper. It's called personal time together. It's the same as building a relationship with anybody. It has to look like personal time together. This is how we learn to trust God. This is how we know Him better. This is how we know Him deeper. It's not just by attending. It's not just by rocking up. It's about personal time with God. It's about not just finding quiet moments with Him, but it's actually about creating them. Because I know for many of us, finding time means never. So it's about creating time, prioritizing moments with God, finding those quiet chunks, creating those quiet chunks of time where it's just me and God. Now, maybe that looks like going for a walk. Maybe it looks like getting up 10 minutes earlier than your kids. Certainly does for me. Maybe it looks like turning off the distractions and that distraction could be your phone. My goodness, we know they're a distraction, right? So it's eliminating those things. It's closing the door on those distractions. Maybe it's even closing the door on your bedroom and deciding that for the next five minutes, it's me and God and nothing else. And what happens there? Well, a whole array of things. Maybe you just talk. We call that praying, by the way. Maybe you put on some worship music. Maybe you open up your Bible and read. If you do read, then reading looks like this. It looks like read, pause and think. Just like we did only a few moments ago with Acts chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. What does that look like? It looks like we don't know the end from the beginning. We'll receive power that is going to come through the Holy Spirit and that it ends up in us being witnesses to Jesus. Like that is just sitting and thinking, what does this actually mean? This is how we learn to know God. This is how we start to understand His heart and His nature, start to trust His character because we look at these promises. We grab them, we pull them into our reality and we start to live them out. It means making notes, means writing out your thoughts. If your thoughts race in your mind and it's hard to make sense of them, then grab out a notepad, start to jot them down not for Instagram, but for you, but for your own sake, but for your relationship with God. It's in moments like this, not only that do we know God and His character more, but we also befriend the Holy Spirit. That's where the power comes from. The audacious power that God has for you, for me, for us, for good life, to make a difference in our world comes through the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised it right there in Acts. He promised that there is power for us through the Holy Spirit, that He's got to come upon us as we befriend Him. We befriend Him just in those quiet moments when the Holy Spirit is our friend and when He's found a home, when He's found a sanctuary in our life, when He has a spot, when He knows that when He comes that you respond, when He knows that you're not too busy, when the Holy Spirit sees that you've taken that time, when that door clicks and you've said the next 10 minutes is me and the Holy Spirit, then He comes right there because He knows He has a home in your life because you've created time, you've made a space. It's like building a bedroom. It's like building a house. It's like clearing a space for Him in your own life. You say, this is for you. You can come. You can be home here. You can have a place. This is your sanctuary. And when the Holy Spirit does that, the Bible promises that He reminds us of all things, that He teaches us all things. And that love, that joy, that peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness and self-control, well, those things, they are the natural result of the Holy Spirit having a home in our life. It's what the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit. It's the natural things. It's just the result of the Holy Spirit having a home in our life. And that's a game changer. It's an absolute game changer. We couldn't live the life that God has for us if, without this audacious power. We couldn't live the life that God has for us and be the people that He is leading us to be if we didn't have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Make a home for Him in your life. Create a space in your schedule, in your world, in your mind, in your heart for the Holy Spirit. You'll be thankful that you did. It's the most wonderful thing. It's from this place of confidence in God, not circumstances, because His character and His nature is good. And empowerment through the Holy Spirit. It's from that place, it's being those kinds of people that we become those who make a difference. In that moment, when we do those things, we become more aware of the opportunities to pray for a friend's healing. We just start to see it. We we were too concerned with ourselves and too wrapped up in our own inability previously. Now the Holy Spirit has a home in our heart. We're trusting that God has our future, whatever it looks like. And we start to see that, hey, there's a chance to pray for a friend here. There's an opportunity here to make a difference. It's from that place that we have the boldness to share our reason for hope with a family member. That reason, the gospel, the good news that Jesus came and gave his life for one and all. It's from that place that we have the courage to start a business because it's urged in your heart. It wakes you in the night and you can't escape it as you sleep. That You've just got to do it. But you need courage. You need audacious strength. You need audacious power. And that's where the Holy Spirit steps in. It's from that place that we have that same courage that'll pursue a relationship where maybe you're terrified of rejection. Maybe you've been hurt before. Maybe your heart's been wounded and you've started to build up a wall and shielded yourself from the potential or the possibility of further injury or harm. Well, It's the love and the care, it's the affection of the Holy Spirit that will bring you to a place to have the courage to pursue a relationship again, to open up to people. You can receive the grace to overcome your past and share that miracle with your connect group when the Holy Spirit has a home in your life, when you've created a place for Him. And when you do that, the incredible thing is this, It's not just in those moments that you're aware of the Holy Spirit's presence in and around your life, that He's with you, that He's your helper, that He's your teacher. It actually becomes really obvious and aware. I so loved last week that Pastor Ben said, When you know someone's voice, you recognize it as soon as you hear it on the phone. And it's so true. When you've created a space and the Holy Spirit has become your friend, and you trust God with those steps into the future with what's going to come, then you recognize his leading and his voice a whole lot quicker and you see it a whole lot more regularly. So it's not just in the really dedicated spiritual moments, but it's in every moment of our life. You know, for me this week, it looked like this. I was doing laundry. I'm fairly domestic around the house, just kind of because I don't like to sit still for too long some days. But I was doing laundry this week. And later that day, I was getting ready to pick up my dad. Uh, from the train station. He was returning from Sydney and he needed a ride uh, from the station back to his house. And I was loading the washing machine. And as I was, it was just, it was quiet. And I was just talking with God. I was talking with the Holy Spirit. And I was just simply saying this, hey, maybe today's the day. Thinking about my dad's salvation. I was talking with the Holy Spirit. Maybe today's the day, Holy Spirit. Maybe today's the day. Maybe God could use me on this 10 minute drive. And I kid you not, no word of a lie. Literally, as I'm doing the laundry and chucking clothes in the machine, Mel brings me my phone. That's my mum. She's called from Sydney and it's a bit of a rescue call. So her car's broken down in Sydney and um, she's asking if I'd be prepared to drive down after work Wednesday with my dad and a car trailer and tow it back to my workshop. Was that painful? Yes, Was it inconvenient? Yes. But was a 10 minute car trip with my dad just turned into a seven hour excursion? Yeah. In the same moment as I was asking the Holy Spirit, maybe you could use me in 10 minutes. He turns 10 minutes into seven hours. Now, I'm not saying God broke my mom's Passat. All right. But I am saying that the Holy Spirit works all things together for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. You know, I'd love to say that I introduced my dad to Jesus on that car trip, but we're still praying for that moment. Yet we did have the most honest, open and real conversation about the gospel that we have ever had in my entire life. My dad has never known Jesus. And we've been praying for Him for a long time. And this week I had the most open, real, honest conversation that I've ever had with him. I can know now from my own lips that I've shared the gospel with my father. And I'm still believing for the day where he accepts that. But that was birthed out of a simple moment of loading laundry and saying, "Holy Spirit, could you use me?" You know, anointing is not something that we talk a whole lot about these days. It's kind of one of those words that, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense without a bit of explanation. And so we've seemed to sort of sub it out of our vocabulary, but it's simply this. It's simply God's empowerment of our efforts to use the gifts that He's given to love both Him and others. I'll say it again. The anointing is simply God's empowerment of our efforts to use the gifts He's given us to love Him and others. And so today, if you've opened your home to a watch party or your connect group, believing that people could find freedom in that community, then you're anointed. You're anointed by God because you're using your gift. And God's empowering that to love Him and to make a difference. So singer, when you're worshiping God, passionate for a moment with Him, and passionate that others could know Him the way that you do, then you're anointed. When you drive to work and you pray this week, God, if there's an opportunity to be an example of your love today, help me see it and help me make the most of it. Well, whatever you're doing through that day for work, you're anointed. So mum, when you pray over your kids as you put them to sleep, not just that they stay asleep, but that they would discover their God-given purpose and that they would love their life and live out His plan for them, well, you're anointed right there. I swear you have audacious power because of the empowerment of God through the Holy Spirit in our life to be His witness, to be who He's called us to be. God is audacious and He has the audacity to use people like us to reach People like us. (laughs) We carry his good news and his power because he took a risk. Because he was bold. Because he was audacious to come after, to seek out, to look for people like you and me. His boldest and riskiest move ever was sending his son, Jesus. You know, love is a risk by nature. To love is to take a risk because there's a risk of rejection. To risk that those that we love may not love us in return. And the greatest risk that God ever took was that in coming in His Son, Jesus, that we might not receive Him. But yet His boldness reached past our flaws and our failures to offer salvation and restoration to risks like us. So today I'd love to offer you an opportunity. If today you recognize that Jesus has bridged a divide that we created and we did, and is knocking on the front door of your life, then I'd love to offer you the opportunity to take the step. He's taken all 99, and there's just one for you to take. And that's that step to open up that door as he knocks. He will not kick it in, he's crossed eternity. He's bridged the divide that we never could. Think about it as trekking over mountain and through valley, traversing crevesses and every obstacle in the way, only to stand at your front door and just knock. And we have one step to take, and that's to see it and accept it. And so I'd love to help you take that step, that step to open the door of your life By praying this prayer with me. So I'd love you to pray this. Jesus, I thank you today that you have stepped out of heaven and into my life. And you are knocking on the door. Today I open that door and I ask for your forgiveness. I want you to be my Lord, and I want you to be my Saviour. Thank you for giving up your life on the cross. Help me to live my life for you. Amen.